0: So hey guys, we're back for the another podcast, and today we're talking to an amazing lady that um, we've had some pre-interviews with, and I'm super nervous interviewing her because she's got an amazing list of books and history and involvement, and uh, and I think you guys are gonna love her story and love her background as much as I've begun to fall in love with it because she just she writes some amazing stories and books and. And she's got a wonderful story. Of course, before we get into it, I want to thank my friends over at the Tombstone Epitaph, Arizona's longest-running newspaper. Um, I always say this, get the three-year subscription because if you do a year-to-year, by the time you hit the three years, it's going to be 75 bucks. But if you just pay the three years at $60, and it, you'll save $15. And uh, Mark and Eric and the folks over at the Epitaph, they do a phenomenal job at bringing Wild West history in a newspaper form not a digital form but a newspaper form and you guys know if you've been listening for the last few years i love newspapers and the epitaph gets delivered right to your door and i urge you to subscribe at the and go to tombstoneepitaph.com and again arizona's longest running newspaper there's there's mark boardman and there's this lady that we're talking about linda and there's Uh, Peter Brand and John Bosnecker and all the people that you love in Western history are in the Tombstone Epitaph. And again, I urge you to subscribe by going to tombstoneepitaph.com. I want to thank, too, my amazing second family. This is what they become, my second family at the Wild West History Association. Uh, Roy and Eddie and John and Kurt House and Cur, um, um, Casey teefer Tiller and Marshall Trimble, they just open their arms and they welcome my wife and I. And they'll do that with you when you get to know them uh, and you become a, a member by joining Wild West History Association by going to wildwesthistory.org. It is only $75 bucks a year. For that $75, you get the journal, which is a book. It's a book of true provenance, and the paper is beautiful and you get to save it and it actually becomes a reference point uh in your research to learn the truth about western history and that's I just love that and make sure you join the Wild West History Association by going to wildwesthistory.org. Also they have a YouTube page. So just when you think you can't get enough through the saddlebag and being a member and you get the journal, you also can go to their YouTube page at Wild West History Association and Eddie and Pam and the gang are putting, and Curry, and all these people are putting together some amazing videos to bring Wild West History right to your door. So we have the Wild West History Association, it's just so, sorry about that, Wild West History Association Journal. They have a Facebook page. They have the YouTube page. But if you're an Instagrammer, Go see what my friend Dave Geiken. we just interviewed Dave a couple, of, a couple of weeks ago, and make sure you go to the Instagram page because he's bringing color photos and black and white photos of history right to you at Instagram. That's free, of course, so download the app and join uh, the Wild West History Association on Instagram. It's like you're surrounded by it, and we're bringing history as, as the best way possible. Of course, you can find these podcasts on iTunes and Spotify, and Apple iTunes you know if you go to those places give me a rating and a review it really helps with the distribution Um, and you can also find me at at, uh, on Instagram at Cochise County underscore travels and Facebook at Cochise County underscore travels and you'll find links like today's podcast and pictures of my travels because I'm all over the place doing crazy stuff and uh, and it's just a good way to connect and build relationships so I appreciate them a bunch. One of the people that has been the most requested interview was the lady that's on the phone right now, and her name is Linda Womack. So many people have have texted me and emailed me and then said, can you get Linda on an interview? And I said, I'll try, and and here she is today. Now, if you want to know more about Linda and what she's doing on a daily basis and weekly basis and monthly basis, I urge you to go to Lindawomack.com, And that's L-I-N-D-A Womack, W-O-M-M-A-C-K.com. Because everything that she's doing, her events, her speaking events, her books, new books, papers, everything that she's doing is on the website. And bookmark the website return to it often, she's got new books and stuff coming out all the time. I don't think she's somebody who's going to be stopping and you know stopping to what she's doing unless she's going to going out fishing because she's a fisherwoman. and And uh, am I correct so far? You're a fisherwoman. Yes. okay. And so she is doing amazing stuff in Western history and go to lindawomack.com. Today we're going to be talking about all of her books, but really we're going to be talking about her and her new book called *From Sand Creek to Summit Springs: The Colorado*, excuse me, Colorado's Indian Wars. And it's important that if you want the book, you can find it at booksellers near you. You can also find it on Amazon. You can go to Barnes and Noble. This book is everywhere, and make sure you look because I'm going to ask her about the the picture on the front cover because the picture on the cover is insanely beautiful it's really fantastic and if you look at the book you're going to want to get the book and you're going to want to read it over and over again and keep it next to your uh, chair or wherever you read because it's just a beauty of a book so welcome Linda how are you I'm good thanks for having me thank you for saying yes I'm I'm happy about that you've written a lot of books I'll go through them real quick and if I miss something or I say it wrong Please say, Mike. You know what? You're wrong, and that's fine because my wife says it to me all the time. I'm used to it. <laughs> um, you've written. You're you're a three-time winner of the Will Rogers Medallion Awards, which is very prestigious. You've written um, "Ranching Women of Colorado," seventeen legendary women, Ann Bassett, Colorado's little queen. Growing up. With the Wild Bunch, The Story and Pioneer Legend of Josie Bassett. Of course, your new book, Sand Creek to Summit Springs. Uh, Cripple Creek, Bob Womack, and The Greatest Gold Camp on Earth. Colorado's Historic Churches. Uh, haunted, Cripple Creek, and Teller County, which i am got a job coming up in Teller County, so I want to learn about that. Murder in the Mile High City, The First Hundred Years. This one I can't wait to read because then I'm going to go to all the places. Historic Colorado Mansions and Castles. Colorado's Landmark Hotels. Another one that I'm going to get because I'm a places person. I'm going to go to all the hotels. Our Ladies of the Tenderloins. Colorado's Legends in Lace. From the Grave, A Roadside Guide to Colorado's Pioneer Cemeteries, which I'm going to get that one. I'm going to keep it in my truck. I'm going to give it to my wife, and she's going to say, we're going to all these cemeteries. Cripple, Cripple Creek Tailings, Colorado Gambling, A History of the Early Days, Colorado History for Kids. Now, that sounds fun. You moms and dads out there, think about that one. Colorado History for Kids. Right, and you've written for True West Magazine. Uh, and Wild West Magazine, you do that, and the Tombstone Epitaph. You do book signings and speaking engagements. And again, you can find about all about it at lindawomack.com. Did, did I miss a book?
1: I don't think so, but I'm also a two-time winner of Wild West History Association um, magazine article of the year.
0: And then on the three-time winner of the Will Rogers Medallion Awards... What books? Yes. What were they? All the same book, or were they different books?
1: No. Uh, first place was Colorado Ranching Women. Uh, second place was, for biography was Ann Bassett, Colorado's cattle queen, and fourth place was again biography for Growing Up the Wild Bunch, uh, Josie Bassett.
0: Do you? Do they? Because I don't know do you go to Los Angeles or someplace where they do the awards or they call you or they email you and say, congratulations.
1: Um, you get a, a formal response by mail and then all the invitations and everything. And the award ceremony is actually at at the stockyards at Fort Worth, Texas. That's for the Will Rogers award.
0: That sounds so cool. so, when when you won the the Will Rogers Award, was that the most prestigious award? Or is there is there another award that's out there that you're like, Oh my gosh, like I I'm hoping to get the Walmart most sold award for book or is there something out there that you really that you haven't gotten think that you that's really in the
1: eye of the beholder, there's lots of awards out there, um and several um, across the nation, and then in regional areas too. So that's kind of hard to answer.
0: I wasn't sure if like Will Rogers was the the premier, the cream of the crop. I wasn't sure.
1: In regional Western history, it, it's it ranks pretty high.
0: So how did you get involved in Western history? Because you're you're born and raised in Colorado. You live in Colorado now you only live 10 blocks from the home that you grew up in. How did you get involved in Western history or because you live in one of the most beautiful states in the country, was it just a natural progression that I wanna learn more about the state that I live in and write about it?
1: When I was eight years old, my parents took me to Leadville because I always wanted to go there and see the mining history of Leadville and where Baby Doe Tabor was. And with my uh, birthday money, I bought the very first history book I've ever had, which was a biography of Baby Doe Tabor. And that started me on my love of Colorado history for over 30 years now. Getting into Western history as I became... A writer, uh, I started writing for Wild West and True West magazines. I'm a contributor for True West magazine um, since 1996, I think, and 1994 with Wild West magazine, um, 1995 with Tombstone Epitaph. So that kind of got me on the the Western history angle of all
0: of this. But when you when you were writing and you're and you're doing that, how hard was it to get from an unknown person to where or and you might have been known through the history groups to get into writing an article, sending it to True West and getting published? Were you sending multiple Articles and they were like, "Mm, this isn't good enough or not. We're going to do it. Or did they look at your writing style and go, holy cow, where's she been?
1: (laughs) No, it's kind of a funny story. I started writing regionally for local um, magazines um, with articles on Bob Womack because I am related to Bob Womack. He's my great, great uncle. And he found gold in Cripple Creek. So I got um, four or five articles done that way, and I pitched it to Bob Wills Bell at True West Magazine, and I got it in that magazine. And after a while, I started getting people to ask me to write about Bob Womack, and after a couple of years, it was like, I really can write other things other than Bob Womack. And with my step into True West, I got to write other things, and that kind of branched out from there.
0: When Were you excited? For, and I'm it's kind of weird. But were you excited when you got published in True West? Because I remember I was talking to another historian, and they said that they got a check for like $60, and they couldn't believe that something that I love and I write about and Bob sends me a check for 60 bucks. Like, holy cow, I could make a living doing this.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, and it was such a thrill to be published in a national magazine.
0: So as you're doing these articles and you're writing more and more, what was the very first book that you wrote?
1: Um, the The first two I did was in conjunction with Legalized Gambling in Colorado in 1991. And that was um, Colorado Gambling, A History of the Early Days, and Cripple Creek Tailings. Mm. Those came out in 1991 or 92. Those were the first two. And then I followed that up with Colorado History for Kids
0: but when about you, a year later. About a year later. And so you were, these books, was it hard to get? Did you um, get it published? Did you have to, did you do a self-publishing, a publication, or were you, by that time, had enough momentum going that it was easy for you to get these books out?
1: The first two were self-published. I was lucky in that my uncle had a printing company in California, so he did all the work. My mom was prolific at, the computer and she did the page layout so that was pretty easy um and then it kind of came fairly quickly I did Colorado history for kids with a fourth grade class in um North Glen because they didn't have anything when I talked with the teacher their history Colorado history books were 20 years old they didn't have anything on transportation railroads or anything and so I said well we can do better than that so for a year I started writing and took each chapter up to the fourth grade class and read it to them and they said what they liked and what they didn't like and they drew all the pictures so it's kind of a combination illustrative book and coloring book for kids after that it it the doors kind of opened up and it became easier and easier
0: so as the doors are opening up things like you said they're becoming easier and easier did you also start looking at things in Colorado because you're involved in all sorts of groups you're a board member of the Women Writing of the West um or Women Writing the West. You're also um, a Downing Journalism Award Chair. Did you get involved in these organizations right away? Or did people say, your books are, are changing the way that we view Colorado history. Will you join us? Will you join us in, in, in bringing Linda and all you do to our organizations?
1: It started locally with um, historical societies. I would join, and people would ask me to join, um, and it kind of branched from there as my writing progressed. And I wanted to develop and become better. I started joining writing associations like um, Women Writing the West. I'm a I'm a former board member of Women Writing the West and the Downing Journalism Award. Where I created that for the journalists. We have the Willa Award for um, novels and books, and we have the Laura Award for short fiction, but we didn't have anything for journalism in our group. So I created the Downing Journalism Award, and it took a couple of years with board approval, and it's been in existence for five years, and it's something I'm really proud of. So So it just kind of progressed from there, kind of um, people asking me and me wanting to join and all of us working together.
0: So if you're wondering who we're speaking to, uh, we have Linda Womack on your radio or YouTube or wherever you're listening. Linda Womack um, is an amazing writer and historian in Colorado. You can find her new book, um, From Sand Creek to Summit Springs, Colorado's Indian Wars, at booksellers near you, Amazon, uh, Abe's book. Do you sell through Abe books? Yes. Abe's book. And so a lot of, re- a lot of researchers and writers do through Abe books and, um, and you can see her website at Linda Womack and that's L I N D A Womack, two Ms, W O M M A C K, Linda Womack.com. And again, I really urge you, if you, if you aren't sure about who she is, go on the website, and check out the amount of books in history that she's just a phenomenal lady. When you put the, you've written so many, do you ever go back into your early books, the early days when you were beginning to write and read them and go, oh my gosh, I, I can't even believe the way I wrote then. Or do you not go back and read your older books and you just grow in your own writing style?
1: I did once and regretted it, and I've never done it again, (laughs) and I tried to um, Mm -hmm. grow and come from that. I had a phenomenal copywriter for about 10 years who helped me do quite a bit of it. Unfortunately, she died two Mm -hmm. years ago, so um, my writing is slower because I'm doing it myself and editing myself Mm. and (laughs) and questioning myself, Um, but I think it's, it's well worthwhile.
0: Are you harder on yourself than you should be? or
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, yes. I'm my own worst critic, yes.
0: How long does it take, because you've written so many, on average, does it take for you to, you know, Linda, poof, I have an idea. And how long does it take for you to research a book, research all the information that you want to get out of it, and start putting it together, and then actually get it to publication? Is it a years-long process, or is it six months on average?
1: Um, Every book is different, but on average, it's um, probably two to three years research time. Writing time, again, because I'm doing it all myself, and editing all myself is about a year, During um, the pandemic, I had a great idea for a book I wanted to write, but all the libraries and research institutions and um, everything was closed down. Mm -hmm. So I just went to my own personal library and and looked, do I have enough right here that I can start the research? And I did. Um, So that book is is done now and is waiting print. Yeah. Um, another book that took uh, roughly a little over twenty years is is my latest one and my most in Denver. Um, is um from Sand Creek to Summit Springs. That that was a great endeavor. Took a long time. It's a very intricate subject. Um, the research was was. Very intense. Um, The writing, even more so because you've got to get everything right. I'm grateful for WWH member um, Jeff Broom, who helped me with the Indian things so much. And Dr. Gary Roberts wrote the foreword and checked everything in the Sand Creek chapter. And without these these great folks with WWHA, um, who are the best in their field, I, um, it probably could not have been done.
0: Well, let's talk about your new book because it's um, I haven't read it yet. I'll be honest; I read a lot about it. Um, it is here in my library. I'm still finishing my Chuck Parsons book on Kingfisher. And as and you know, Chuck, Chuck is a very, he's like you, very detailed. It's a, it's a slow read sometimes because there's so much information into it. I don't want to miss something. And some right. pages I have to read twice because it's like, oh my gosh, did Chuck really say that? When you wrote your book from Sand Creek to Summit Springs of Colorado's Indian Wars, was there a, was there a reason that that story and history stood out to where you said to yourself, "I I need to do this because it it and correct me if I'm wrong and please do it it follows the history, but you're also following women's stories. Is that correct? You're following women's stories of what happened during that period. So you're not just only writing about the period, but you're also following women's stories about that period and what happened.
1: Yes, yes, and uh. About, uh, I think it was about um, 1998, I went to the Sand Creek Massacre site for the first time. Um, I met the landowner. He and I became very good friends. We walked the ground. He told me the stories. So this was like my first encounter of firsthand knowledge of what happened. He introduced me to Um, Cheyenne descendants of the Sand Creek Massacre, Um, one of which was John Sipes, who is the great-great-grandson of Mokai and Medicine Water, who were both at Sand Creek, survived and went on to um, avenge the Sand Creek Massacre for their people. I began to write about that and talk about that, and I wanted to tell Mokai's story because as John Sykes gave me all this information, this tons of firsthand information on the Mokai and medicine water, he didn't know where to go with the information. He didn't know who to trust with the information, and I promised him that I would tell Mokai's story. He died about 10 years ago, And I finally, through this book, have fulfilled that promise. But along with Mokai's story, I found other women's stories in the Indian Wars. This book is the first book. It isn't just about Sand Creek. It's the first book that encompasses all of the Indian Wars in Colorado. There's single books about the Summit Springs or Beecher Island or Meeker Massacre, but nothing, no book covers all of the stories. This book does that. And in the Meeker Massacre, I found Josephine Meeker, who went on to become an advocate for Indians' rights, the four German sisters who were captured and tortured by Mokai and medicine water, I tell their story. There's Lucinda Eubanks, who was watched her family get murdered by Cheyenne Indians in a raid along the Saline Creek in Nebraska. I tell her story. There's so many stories that the women's viewpoint weren't really told in what I had read, and I wanted to flush those out.
0: Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read an overview. I don't know if you wrote this or not. And so please tell me if you did. And this is about Mokai. Mokai, 23 years young, carefully walked among the dead bodies of her tribe. Shaking with fear and horror, she found the body of her husband's standing bull and pressed on through tears of grief. She Finally, she found the body of her father, and her grief turned to anger. Mokai would become the first female Cheyenne warrior, Cheyenne Oral History records Mokai's declaration of war. She says, This day I vow the revenge for the murder of my family and my people. This day I declare war on the Viho or white man. Did you write
1: that? John Sipes and I both wrote that. We wrote beautiful. that together in a joint article we did for Wild West History Magazine, probably in about
0: 2004, 2005. So that, so in 2004, 2005, you were thinking about this. You were, like, this wasn't just a short, quick little, oh, look, there's a Sand Creek, I'm going to write about that. This was brewing in Linda, correct? Like, you really wanted yes. to do, and so you wrote this overview that is beautiful. I mean, it's strong, it's, it's, um... It's sad at the same time, but there's strength in the words and, and what Mokai. So is, is that true?
1: Yes. Well, according to John Seitz, her great-great-grandson, yes, it is true.
0: When you were researching the book and putting it all together, was it difficult at times to write about the grief in the family? Did, like did Like, were you at your computer... And typing away and going, oh, holy cow, I got to take a break. Like, this is just too intense.
1: No. Um, What was so intense for me was getting the stories right. Mm. Getting the oral history right. Getting the the military side of it right. Because I wanted to be balanced. I didn't want to be one-sided on either way. I wanted to tell... a complete story in a balanced way and so that was the most intense part for me
0: when you were talking to the family members and i don't know i'm going to ask a question because i really don't know you're talking to the family members you're getting their stories did any of them thank you and say thank you because i've got these stories that we've wanted to share about our family, and what happened during this time in history. But no one's really come forward before with compassion and wanting the truth like you've done.
1: When I was involved with um, finding the the true Sand Creek Massacre site, I met Laird and... Colleen comestiva and they expressed gratitude, but who really expressed gratitude was John Fife And he really wanted the stories told. And in his gratitude, about a year before he died, he mm-hmm. sent me probably 10 boxes of his family's research documents, photographs, and I have all of that. Um, Because he trusted me and he wanted the stories told. That's the greatest gratification I could get. And so I just hoped that I told his story correctly.
0: So in those boxes, is there another book or multiple books waiting to be written that in your mind, these stories... Like, I can't imagine that you've written Sand Creek. Because I, I talk to other researchers and they'll say, when I'm done with the book... I put it on the shelf, there it is, but I'm already into another book or I've got my ideas on another project I want to do. You get these 10 boxes from John. Is there more to Sand Creek? Is there, is there more out there that you're like, I've got to continue this story?
1: Um, no one's asked me that. At, at this point in time, no, but... I might go back through the boxes and look at everything again, and um, contemplate and decide if there is. Yeah. I
0: don't.
1: I don't know. He he wanted me to tell Mokai's story, and I feel that I did that in this book. Um, to write a biography on on Mokai, I I don't know that there is enough um, primary sources beyond oral history to do justice to that.
0: Okay, so then let me ask you another question because i I would love to see those ten boxes like i'm going to be in Denver at the end of the month, October, like I would love to come to your house and be like, "Oh my God, I just want to look at these boxes but but in reality, I'm just one person. Is there enough to do like a pictorial like are there photos are there graph are there are there clothes like this was what my family wore the, is there or is it just written document? Like would, would a would a pictorial book showing this, is, is there enough for that?
1: Uh, I don't think so. There's a lot of photographs of Medicine and Mokai and their family. Wow. Um, there's a lot of photographs of when they were in prison in Marion, Florida. There's a lot of photographs of, of things like that. But... Um, To make a photograph book, you'd have to have, I would think, chronologically throughout their life, and and there's not enough of that. I wish I had some clothing, but I don't. Um, The documents I have are are, um, Indian land documents, reservation land documents, um, things like that, so... I would have to really go through everything and really search and think if there's enough to do another project.
0: Well, from me, you're blessed beyond words that a man would give your, that a man would entrust his family history and the events of that period and send you all those boxes for you to keep it. You, you must pinch yourself sometimes and say I, I've got to be the luckiest that a man would entrust trust in me enough to send his family in a box, multiple boxes, and send them to my home. That's, that's crazy amazing.
1: Um, it, it is, and that's another reason why I don't know that I would do another project because no. I would really have to be true to the story right. and do it justice. And I just don't know if that's possible.
0: so I did the very best I
1: could in this book
0: when you wrote the book were there some stories that were omitted that you left out because it was
1: absolutely not Um, no matter how good how bad how gruesome um, if it was true and I could back it up and I had sources to back it up it went in the book
0: did you have to like you know, one of my favorites is Wide earth Anthology. It's huge. Yes. You know, it's like reading *War and Peace*. It's huge. Yes.
1: Yes. Uh,
0: was your book the original cut? Because I would imagine there was so much that you, in the original cut, did you have to shrink it down? Was it? Oh my gosh, I wrote a seven hundred page history book. Or, or were you able to capture everything within the confines of what got published?
1: I feel I was able to capture everything, and the book almost to the letter is as it was when I gave it, the manuscript, to the publisher. I was afraid the publisher was going to say it's too big, but thankfully he didn't. There were a couple of obstacles such as binding and that kind of thing that we had to overcome, but the book stayed true to the manuscript i'm very lucky caxon press has, has been very good to me over the years
0: well if you're wondering this this phenomenal lady we're speaking to is Linda Womack you can find everything about Linda by going to LindaWomack.com. linda womack dot com that's l i n d a uh dot com uh Linda Womack and the reason i spell it is is i don't want somebody to go to the wrong side or so i can't find it i really I've been to the site probably 20 times. So if you have a site counter on you and you're like, wow, I'm getting a lot of hits, that's probably from me. (laughs) But it's because I'm just going back and forth on the research to do this podcast. And I keep going back to this, this website that's got so much there. Um, And of course we're talking about her new book from sand Creek to summit Springs, Colorado's Indian Wars. You can find it at Amazon booksellers, Abe books. Um, I really, I really urge you to get this because as you're hearing, it's a balanced book. It's not one-sided. Like many times a book can end up one-sided and you read it and you're like, well, what What about the other half? What about the other side of the story? And she's included that all together in this book. I want to ask you about the cover. Because when I look at the uh-huh. cover, in my mind, I'm really hoping, is that the actual site?
1: Yes, it is. When I was first there many, many years ago, it was on an autumn day and it was um, everything looked kind of, you know, dead, Mm -hmm. you know, dead grass. and, And but when I found this photograph from the National Park Service, that's how I imagined it, because on November 29th, 1864, it was a cold, blistery winter day. And that photograph matches it, and it's kind of a cold, ghostly day of what happened. The background of what happened on that day. Oh
0: my God! You describe, I could hear. Could you say that again? Like I need to get that on a record. We got it on a recording. Like I gotta have to go back because it it describes that photo. I the photo is like, like a, you can have a, a wonderful book on the inside. But the photo, sometimes you look at a photo and you're like, well, what is that? Like, who picked that one? That photo, that is is crazy. It's beautiful. And at the same time, it's historic, and, and and I could be wrong, but it's intense. Like, there's an intensity to it that shows what that period was like, what they were looking at, what they were facing. Yes. And... Yes. Great job. That photo like,
1: describes cow. what the winter day was of what happened that day, November 29th, 1864.
0: So go through. We've, we've got about 20 minutes or so. It goes by fast. Go through. Can you do like a brief synopsis of, of what happened at that day? and Or is it too much to do in a brief synopsis in 20 minutes?
1: Um... Well, let's try. Um, Colorado was facing statehood. They'd been denied once before. Governor Evans dearly wanted statehood. He wanted John Shivington to shore up the Indian problem because there had been some Indian massacres and and, um, some depredations. Along the, the Colorado Plains, so he wanted that all taken care of. But it's sort of when Shivington got his hands on the reins, so to speak, he took matters in his own hands and it sort of snowballed. And he took his Hundred Days War um, group of soldiers and he marched on a cold, bitter night. All night long, from Denver southeast to Fort Lyon, he encountered um, Major Scott Anthony, who was allied with him that the Indians must go. And so he showed them where they, where Wincoop, the previous Indian agent, had told them where to go for peace. This is Black Kettle's Southern Cheyenne and um, Chief Left Hand's Arapahoe primarily. There are some northern Cheyenne in there as well. They're camped peacefully, and before sunrise, they hear what sounds like possibly buffalo, but it turns out that it's soldiers on horseback coming through the southeast area onto Sand Creek and they open fire on a peaceful Indian village. Mokai and Medicine Water are both in the, the village. They manage to escape. George Bent, to Halfbreed is also in the village. He manages to escape. He goes north along the sand pits, north into Kansas, and it takes him all day and night to get there because he's wounded in the hip. And he's crawling, basically, to get there. He's followed by Mokai, who goes to the same um, refuge camp in Kansas. Um, the, The battle takes all day. Which is why they originally called it a battle, because the Indians, despite the women and children in the campsite, they did put up a fight. It's Shivington and his men who kept on and then turned it into a massacre by killing the women and doing unforeseen things to children. In a nutshell, that's basically what happened. Um, Shivington is lauded in Denver for um, stopping the Indians. But a few days or weeks later, as the news travels east, the Eastern papers see it as a massacre. And um, the the Washington military comes in and does not one but two investigations. Shivington resigns and therefore is never held accountable for his deeds. And basically no one ever is.
0: Wow. Well, this is Linda Womack. You can find her book "Sand," uh, excuse me, (laughs) from Sand Creek to Summit Springs, Colorado's Indian Wars. Uh, You can find more information. You can find the book actually at booksellers near you. Um, You know, Barnes and Noble's, Amazon, a book, wherever you get your book, you've got to get this one. It, It, please, whatever you do, don't listen to the podcast and say, "Well, I've heard enough," because the front cover alone and the picture is 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 the reason that you want to dig deeper into this history and learn about what happened during that period uh, again you can find her at lindawomack.com. now we're not done with her yet because it's a wonderful book but I got some questions some other questions for you um
1: if i could interject though sure, please do. another reason in the book at the end of each chapter on each battle or massacre um, there's a section of, of directions where to go to see that battle site today. Oh. If it's on private land, I tell you, but most of it that is is on private land there's designated places and there's historical markers.
0: Looks like I got a road trip. I got a road trip. I've got to see it. Um, just amazing. Is there... Can you 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 mention a new book that is working its way through? Can you talk about that one, or is it top secret?
1: A new one that I'm working on, or one that just came out?
0: <laughs> well, the one that just came out is the San Cries, but you mentioned another one that's working its way through. Do you have another one that's that's in the next year or so that's going to show up?
1: Um, I have a, another one that is almost finished. Um, and that is called Women of the Mines, and it's about actual women who had mines or worked in mines in Colorado. The, in, when Colorado was, um, came into being in, in 1861, the primary industry for Colorado was gold mining. It was the gold rush that brought everyone. And I actually found several women who actually worked in these mines or owned a mine. Um, when you read about Colorado history and the gold mining, the silver mining, it's always the men. But I found the women. So that's coming out in about a year. Oh. Um, on my preservation series, Colorado's historic schools just came out mm-hmm. the uh, month ago. Um, and, and it has all the schools in Colorado who are on the National Preservation List, Colorado State Preservation List, and are still in existence. Those are the three criteria that I use for all of my preservation books. Because when I first started reading about this, I would read, oh, that hotel sounds wonderful. I want to go there. And I'd turn the page and it would say torn down 1962. (laughs) My preservation books Tell the story of these places—the mansions, the hotels, the schools, and the churches—and you can go to them. Wow,
0: you—you're uh, going to piss off my wife because she's going to—I'm going to say we've got to go back to Colorado, and we're going to go <laughs> to all these places, and she's going to say, "Oh, who? Where did you learn about this? Well, this this lady, Linda Womack." So. Well, she's going to be, she loves the adventure, but she gets drug around all over the Southwest because I'm like, I got to go see it. Is there um, something about Linda that we don't know? Like, for example, you're a fisherwoman. So are you a, you like to go out to the rivers and fly fish? Are you a, go out to the lakes? Like what, what is your...
1: We have a boat, and oh. we like to go out to the lakes and um, camp and stay at the lake and take the boat out every day and fish and relax and have a wonderful time in the outdoors. We do that. We try to four times a year. With the drought in Colorado, the lakes drying up, that kind of thing, we're starting to go higher into the mountains. So um, it's a little difficult, but it's something that we truly enjoy.
0: Well, that's, do you have something else besides fishing that you do? Like are you a uh, you know, obviously you're a traveler because you you go to these places and you see them and you write about them. Is there another hobby? Uh,
1: no, not really. Not really. No. Okay. We we like to um we like to travel. Oh. Um we like to camp. Um and and be in the outdoors as much as possible.
0: So I'm going to ask this question i asked it of chuck i don't know if you listened to my my chuck parsons interview i didn't so chuck i asked chuck i said is there something about you that only you and chuck's wife know maybe close family know and chuck said well i love deep fried mushrooms dipped in ranch dressing (laughs) and (laughs) And he and he said, there's a little restaurant I go to, and this is where I go. Is there something about you that is fun like that, that only you, your husband, and maybe the close family know? And it doesn't have to be a food. This
1: might fit into it. Oh, okay. Um, I love going to the roundups with WWHA. Um, some of my best friends are in that group. Um, I love the camaraderie. I love to learn. I love the history. And I love to be around these people and pick their brains. It's the best thing that that I could ever do, that I give myself a treat to go to that every year.
0: Well, let me then ask you about that, about that very thing, because it's going to tie in. I was thinking about it when you, we were talking about Dr. Gary Roberts. And Dr., Roberts, I've never met, but we now speak on the phone more more than we should. But he's he's when he starts talking, it's it like it the history oozes out of him. It just it just yeah and you know, it just it comes forth and and it and it comes out like a geyser and and you it's it's crazy how it just comes out. When he did the forward to your book, did you go to him and say I would really like to to do it, and was it an immediate yes?
1: I did go to him, um, and it was almost an immediate yes. And and I was so thankful. I've met him several times. We've talked off and on about Sand Creek and Indian history in general. Um, He is very knowledgeable in it. I wanted him to write the forward. Um, Because of things that he had told me, things that he had helped me with. Mm -hmm. Um, He was the perfect person. And I was just so grateful when he said yes.
0: Well, I'm grateful when he picks up the phone and says, hey, Mike. It it makes you feel like he makes you feel... Warm inside like it's just the greatest thing that you know that he just picks up the phone as you know and I know you're saying it and for the researchers and writers out there that know Gary you're probably shaking your head like that's that's exactly right Um, again we're talking to Linda Womack. You can find out more about Linda Womack at lindawomack.com. That's two Ms, W-O-M-M-A-C-K, lindawomack.com. And her new book, From Sand Creek to Summit Springs, Colorado's Indian Wars, it's on the shelves now. So go to Amazon, go to a book, go to Barnes & Noble's, go to any bookstore that you like to buy books. And if you can't get it, order it. Like order it and get it because you're going to want this one. You're going to want to read it. And you're gonna to want to use it as a reference because my heart tells me and gut tells me that it's not a one-time read. Like I said, I, I read a lot of books from researchers and historians, and this my heart tells me you're gonna read a page and like, God, did, you, did that really happen? I gotta read it again, and you're gonna read it again, and you're gonna to wanna to keep it as a reference guide and not bury it on your bookshelf and then never look at it again. The photo alone should be a, a in a framed picture because it's just it's intense and it's historic and it's true and uh, it sets man, the mood yeah and it fits the mood anything that anything you want to add before we go because we're at 52 minutes the anything that you got a that's we haven't covered
1: well we were talking about WWHA yeah. and um, you talk about my website yeah. with my last name being 2M so yeah. um, I will Let everybody know that I am the great, great grandniece of Bob Olmack who found gold in Cripple Creek, and I do a column for the WWHA Journal called Relatively Speaking, where members of our group talk about and share with me their infamous or famous relative in Old West history. And this month I'm going to work on, I'm, I've decided I'm going to do me. And so that's going to be how I'm related to Bob Womack. And the reason he has one M in his name and I have two is the family legend is that when Bob and my great-grandfather came west, um, there was a big, or Bob's father and my great-great-grandfather came west. There was a big argument between the two of them, and my grandfather, great-grandfather, c- came to Greene County, Missouri, and Bob's grandfather went to um, Kentucky, and legend has it that when he filed, when my great-grandfather filed for land in Greene County, missouri he added an m to the name because he was so mad at his relative that he wanted to distinguish the family branches so that's how that came about
0: well there you heard it that's a little tidbit that i i didn't know about and that and you got a little tidbit more about information and history from linda um of course, I want to thank the WWHA, like she, she said. The WWHA had me as an interview in the latest journal. I'm not a writer. I'm not a researcher. I probably will never write a book. I have no desire to. But I have the desire to bring Western history and the stories of the researcher in a podcast form so that people can listen to and learn like I do. That's my passion. And um, I can't thank Linda enough. And I cannot thank the WWHA for actually putting, like I said, a non-researcher, a non-writer. I've never written a paper. I've never submitted anything to a magazine. And yet they found their kindness. And that goes to Roy B. Young and the board members of the WWHA to have me in the interview. I was very excited and and lucky i feel lucky to be included with some amazing people that have been interviewed over the years so thank you wwha of course i want to thank my friends over at the tombstone epitaph arizona's longest running newspaper go to tombstoneepitaph.com and subscribe uh, my friends at the wwha you can join by going to org. Join, become a member, and you'll be able to connect with historians and researchers just like Linda and John Bosnecker and Peter Brand and, gosh, I'm trying, Eric Wright and all these people that I'm thinking about. They're all there. And Kurt House and Casey Tiefertiller, and uh, there's just so many. of Pam Potter. I just go on and on and on. And, um, and thanks so much uh, for being here. As always, safe travels, keep doing what you do, and we'll see you next time.